Good afternoon. It's late on the 8th of October to 2020. We've just had the final hearing and the wind-up on the William Terrell coroner's inquest. I thought since I've spent so much time emailing people within the police, governments, members of parliament, even the coroner, the foster family, the biological family, their representatives, barristers, all exposing a position where they will find the skull, allegedly, of William Terrell. William Terrell went missing on the 12th of September 2014 and we're now six years on. But the police, I believe, do know and have known for a while where he is and just haven't exposed it because of this Operation Arkstone happening. Operation Arkstone started three and a half years ago. But we'll have to remember that was still after William Terrell went missing. And I exposed this compartment in a brothel in King's Cross in 2012. I found out in 2011 that that brothel held something of value that this gang wanted to protect. Many of the gang's members came in linking to the nomads. And as I researched and read and saw who came through that door to terrorise me. And then I got told by Chop Schaefer that this guy, he pointed to him with glasses on, a baldy chap, older than me, but giving finger movements for a shooting, that he was the highest in the banditos. It was interesting that no one actually wrote about this. No one had linked this guy. But when John Ibrahim wrote a book, he wrote about the person. So we'll go through. The Deputy Coroner, Harriet Graham, has been overseeing the proceedings. And she has moved from Sydney to Taree, been out on site numerous times, searching, but asking for the police to look on certain properties. I know they've got to go through the evidence because I'm the outsider. I'm just a person that was in that brothel and knew about this compartment after studying plans. And having an extensive background in plans and buildings in my past, which made it a lot easier to understand. Why I couldn't expose this before was the police. The police kept saying the last search warrant. Well, I hope it's soon. So we, we know that there's a million dollar reward for finding William. I don't know how much they'll give me for a skull. But I'm hoping where the skull is, 
that the evidence there will unravel to expose who knew about this, who planned it, who was involved. And until they get into this building in King's Cross, they're the questions that I can only assume happen or allege happen. Following the journalists that have been inside the inquest, I have gained a great insight of what was happening, but I also noticed the slowness of the case, and especially this week, how it moved. So Tuesday, we reopened the case, and it just dragged. It was slow. I was talking with another lady on Facebook about it, and we both agreed that it was moving very slow. Until the foster parents wanted Gary Jubilee to take the stand. And that was mainly, I thought, a red herring in the case because Jubilee had discounted the foster family as being involved. And he had said publicly that the biological family were not involved. But when you went through the evidence, you started to think that somebody had to be involved because a three-year-old does not just vanish. Well, unless you're a witch, maybe. But hey, what happened to him? That's the thing. And what he saw in those coming weeks after, I believe, was horrific. Should never happen to anyone. This gang sets people up for crimes. And I believe and allege a Bill Spedding was set up as the fall guy. And when that didn't come through, then Gary Jubilee worked on the guy opposite. See, that kind of fits the narrative of this is a story that we feed to the courts. And once the story all fits together and blends nicely, well, yes, that person will get convicted even if they were not involved. But no one, no psychic, no channeler, no one has positioned up for William's skull, except for me. And that, I suppose, when I'm proved right, will go down in history. What I will go down in history is exposing the mafia, the notorious, the infamous notorious gang that linked to the Pink Pussycat in King's Cross, that worked under Tilly Devine, Abe Saffron, and allegedly the King of the Cross, as, it, as that position is a position that this gang works for. So even if a person is a front man, and they mightn't ever get inside this brothel. It doesn't matter. They're still involved. They're still playing a game. And that game is dangerous. It's not just moving drugs. They're moving sex trafficking. They're moving child prostitution. They're moving murder. And how many times would have allegedly William Terrell been raped before he died of an asthma attack. 
we're being heaps. And then you start to think that people involved have been arrested, and I know that. And they've been arrested linking back to Channel 9 as their photographers. They're, they're working on the movies. But there's a big business in this, and this is what Donald Trump is coming, pushing on. He's been pushing buttons for the last three and a half years trying to expose this. I know that if they went into the brothel, they'd just get what was in there. And I knew by what the police had talked to me, they wanted to catch each drug runner, everyone involved. Nearly impossible, I thought. But hey, come on, let's get out there and help them. And that's exactly what we did. The King's Cross Sting was investigating. It was a private investigation into a gang that has never been brought down in King's Cross. And Paul William Terrell got involved. Now we had Dr Patterson take the stand and she was asked some questions about the foster mother's memory of the cars. And, she, and the cars were seen opposite the house on the morning William went missing. But she forgot about that. It went to the back of her mind and still a trigger happened and she reported it. In the beginning, I thought, yeah, the cars would have been there, but not straight out the front. They would have been down the road, not knowing it was a dead end until a bit later. And then finding out there was this truck that went down the side of the house. So Dr Patterson said to the court, I can't say if it's a genuine memory or a false memory. It could be that it was a true event, that she did see those cars, or it could be she saw those cars at a different time. Major point. If those cars allegedly were involved, then hey, why didn't Ron Chapman see those same cars? Because the child was moved from one car to another. fills in the gaps. Uh, Dr Patterson was also asked uh, about the birth father, asked Dr Patterson. So someone who has a strongly held belief that something is true, that may just be wrong, and she responded, yes. I won't be wrong. I know I'm right. a lie, and they'll experience all the emotions that come with it, then it will be harder to tell whether it's a lie or not. However, she added, it could also be they saw something there on a different day and that's where the, the confusion happens. So Ron Chapman's evidence he saw two cars, a 4B4, um, older style Toyota Land Cruiser or Toyota, um, going round the bend quite quickly and followed by a blue car. Now that was not the cars the foster mother described. So it is 
possible if the child was moved from one car to another car. Remember, the blue car was seen cruising out the front of the foster mother's house. No one took much notice. Was this the same car? And then you start to look at the timelines and you've got to move the timeline to effectively allow the child to be moved from one car to another. And why wasn't that child screaming all the way? Why wasn't he? As I allege, they told the kid, we're taking you to your dad. So it starts to make sense about Daddy Tiger. Dr Patterson told the court, it's possible for witnesses to fill in gaps in their memories with information they heard after the event, such as the media. You believe it's your memory from the event. You're often not able to tell that it's information you obtained after the event. So then they go through... Well, we know Gary Jubilee didn't take the stand. That was like a red herring. He would have wasted hours. And the courts don't have hours to waste. Then we had Detective Chief Inspector Laylord. Now, Laylord and I go back to, I think it was July 2015, when I first emailed him. I met a friend of his in St Vincent's Hospital. And he told me his name and he was in charge of cold cases and I knew I'd opened the Juanita Nelson murder and I just needed an, a police search warrant. And I sent him all my information. Detective Laylord told the court there was no handover in person between himself and Mr Jubilee when he took over the case. When asked who made the decision, there be no handover, he responded, me. Well, yes, Gary Jubilee was chasing the wrong person. And that was proved by the illegal recording. Detective Chief Inspector Laylord told the court, there is material in relation to covert surveillance which was, has not been reviewed. I made the decision that thus far the material wasn't providing any evidence that we could utilise, so I made the decision not to continue reviewing that. Now, they were recording opposite, the house opposite, and that was all relating into Gary Jubilee's theory. But maybe there were other theories within the Strike Force Roseanne that haven't bubbled up, that were still getting worked on. But hey, Gary kept pulling them off those. And that's one of the reasons why he was pulled off the case. Detective Chief Inspector Laylord told the court, there are a number of cars captured on the CCTV from the Kendall Tennis Club on the day William vanished that we can't or have yet to identify. Now, that's interesting. This was an area where Robert Donoghue would park his car during the days that he was off. 
And that particular day when William went off, Robert Donoghue, who had been interviewed by the coroner's court, actually attended the meeting where the people gathered to go out looking for William that afternoon. So it probably was his day off work. Detective Chief Inspector Laylord told the court there was a briefing with the strike force team when he took over the case, which involved about 42 people. 12 people. Oh, I had that wrong. 12 people. And lasted a number of hours. He said it was a decision about where things were and what we could do to go forward. I'm sure they've talked about me. I'm sure they go, yep, she's here, she's sent another email. And that that's what some of this is not, it's not just William gone missing. There's others that have gone missing that I link into. Donald McKay, Juanita Nelson, the Beaumont children, Azaria Chamberlain. But would this be a link to alleged mafia or mafia links to the Calabrian mafia? And why would they have a place in King's Cross? But this is how I put it to the authorities as I started to work it out, that if a guy did murder and got away with it, he would be a very loyal drug dealer for them. And he, they would have evidence held on him that would keep him honest to the gang. It was a theory of mine. But, hey, I haven't been able to make that theory not work. It seems to work for so many of them. William's foster parents are telling the court of the abuse and stalking they've suffered from strangers, inserting themselves into the case. Well, of course they would be inserted into the case. They were there. They were the foster parents in charge of William on the day he went missing. Of course they're going to be involved in the police case. His foster parents described him as a jovial, boisterous little boy, happy-go-lucky and had the cutest walk and little swagger. He always made us smile his giggles were infectious. You know, the sad part is his sister, what she said. His sister said, in my mind, no one is trying. I hope this speech makes you solve the case. She went on to say, not a day goes past when we don't think about him. The day he disappeared, we lost everything. That's major. The deputy coroner told the court, I understand that it's difficult and painful, but that's when it's going to be. It's unfortunate. And it's hard for the families to say. You know, William's parents went on um, talking about um, 
Some of the people had recently photographed the sister while she was at school and published photos online. That's disgusting. Why would they be wanting to do that? They found it was challenging and somewhat distressing to learn the resources of the strike force had been significantly reduced. At the moment, there's five people, and one of them is Detective Laylord. A lawyer for William's biological father is now reading a statement to the court on behalf of the biological family. It's difficult to put the, into words how much William's disappearance has impacted our lives. Wow. William's father lost William twice. Imagine having your son taken away. I need to find out. You'll never be able to bring him home. Adding William's father will never be the same. Life will never be the same again. In closing, the Deputy uh, State Coroner Harriet Graham told the court, please accept my assurance these proceedings have been conducted out of deep respect for him. The little boy missing. I take the task before me very seriously and remain committed to find out the truth. Thank God. Well, that coroner's inquest is finished. The verdict is to be handed down in June 2021. And I hope before then that the evidence will be exposed. Uh, Detective Laylord had said that he hadn't disregarded the family at all, or the biological family, or the foster family. No one has been exonerated to be not a person of interest. Thank you for your time today. I say that the police have hurried up this final Four days of hearing that came down to Tuesday, Wednesday and half a Thursday. They started today at 10.30 and finished at 12. So it wasn't a very long day in court. But I know the whole case would have been very trying for everyone. We've got a little boy missing. And children don't just vanish. They normally come home. So have your kids close to you. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. And think one day soon, William will rise to the surface to expose who did this to him. And the person who finds him is, as the Spirit has told us, Chief Inspector Detective Laylor. Thanks for listening. Jennifer Stone reporting for the King's Cross Sting.